last year and a half has taught us anything, it's that humans want and need to connect. We're not-for-profit professionals supporting adults to live, work, and grow in a rapidly changing world. We need each other to build full plans and pathways for our clients so that they can achieve life-changing goals. Whoever and wherever you are, if you support adults in learning and life, the Getting Connected podcast may be for you. Grab a coffee, give us just a few minutes of your workday, and let's connect. Hi, everyone. My name is Ashley Hoth Murray, and you're listening to the Getting Connected podcast. I'm coming to you solo today. I don't have a guest, and I don't have a co host. Uh, But I'm going to talk to you about a topic that's near and dear to my heart. You may have already listened to our episode on what it means to be an ally. Uh, If you haven't, please go back uh, into our Getting Connected archives and and take a listen to that quick show because it has a really great exercise that you can use to identify where you need to fill your Uh, Life with more voices, more diverse voices, so that we can better understand uh, our clients and um, and just the world in general. Uh, But today I'm again talking to you about inclusivity, but specifically we're going to talk about some inclusive writing tips, real tips and tricks that you can put into practice today to better serve your clients uh, and and just be more... um, mindful uh, and open to to different experiences. So why why is inclusive writing important? Well, we all have bias. Uh, It's really important that we just acknowledge this from the get-go. Even the most liberal uh, heart still comes from a place uh, of understanding and experience based on their their skin color, their their economic status, their gender. So it's really important to understand that that's, that's the way that we see the world. And bias can be shaped uh, in a few different ways. Obviously, cultural learning. So that's, uh, that's our societal norms. Uh, the language that's used around us and that we continue to use. Our own personal values and our family values and our organizational values the behaviors that have become routine in our lives, uh, and the practices. Our bias is also shaped by historic group learning and and the cultural narrative. So the experiences, the stories, the histories, the thematic beliefs that continue to perpetuate um, our our world uh, and our our existence, things that we hear um, from mass media, from our social circles, from the organizations that we work for. We also have to consider that bias comes from our individual learning and narrative. So things that we've experienced personally, our own trauma, our own history, they shape the way that we we see the world. And sometimes those experiences that we've had may lead us to uh to a bias uh, of another group, of another another type of person um, that maybe uh, isn't isn't true, isn't inclusive of of an entire identity. 
Uh, and then, of course, there's also social and institutional learning. So I mentioned this actually as part of cultural learning as well, but patterns of historic behavior uh, that have come from relevant institutions. So uh, the education system, what we learned at school uh, in elementary and in high school uh, and maybe some post-secondary, uh, that institutionalized uh, bias or um, framework that, that has really shaped our, our cultural uh, and societal norms that, that plays into how our bias is created. We have often searched for this idea that we can be 100% objective when we write. And I'm telling you, it's okay to give that up because I don't believe that's possible. As I've said, we, we write from our own view, from our own status in the world, and we can limit our bias if we acknowledge it. If we pretend it's not there, if we, if we whitewash it, or uh, we're, we're colorblind, or we're genderblind, uh, or if we only see the world through our own marital status uh, and, and our own education, then, then we, we do our clients a disservice. But by honoring that bias and saying, okay, how can I make sure that it's not just my view, my status that I include in my writing, that allows us uh, to be as objective as possible. By doing this, we meet our clients, we meet our colleagues in a space that fosters respectful dialogue and allows knowledge to grow. So here are three quick tips that I'm gonna give you today uh, to, to write inclusively. First and foremost, use gender neutral language. And I know a lot of us are already doing this, uh, but I, I'm just gonna to touch on a few points. Obviously, replace that he slash she with they. It works for everyone. Uh, it's not it's not okay to believe that everyone that is reading your writing identifies as he or she. Uh, avoid titles. And I still find it funny because I still come across these forms where it requires you to put in Mr., Mrs., Miss before you can can move forward on on a form, especially online. And that's just not okay anymore because not everyone wants to identify uh, as, as one of those titles. Husband and wife, that, those titles, they infer that gender um, and that type of, of relationship. Uh, I, I'll tell you a quick story. I was part of a, I was a parent in a, in a school board and we had a form come home and I didn't even think about it but it said mother's name, father's name. Not a problem for me. I, ha I am the mother and, and my husband, he identifies as the father. And so I, I filled it out. And a few months later, I was talking to a parent who, uh, who came from a same-sex couple. And she said how difficult it was uh, and how angry she was that the school had sent home this form because she was not a one-off. We, uh, we came from a school where there was several same-sex uh, couples and, uh, and, and couples that didn't even identify as um, husband and husband or wife and wife. Uh, they just 
didn't didn't want to use those. And she said to me, I don't understand why it can't just be parent slash guardian. And it should be, and it often is. But I didn't even see the mother and father when I when I read that form because that was my experience. So it really is about stepping back and thinking about who might be be using your your tools and, and reading your writing. You're going to want to avoid gender-based job titles. So fireman, not okay anymore. You should use firefighter. Uh, fisherman should be fisher. Uh, and I know that because my husband is a, is a fishery officer. And that's the term that the federal government uses is, is fisher to remove the gender. You're going to focus on the person first. This is my second tip. Start with the person and then add the description of their experience. So we don't say disabled employees. We say employees, the person first, with disabilities. We don't say elderly persons, because when you say elderly person, what do you think of? You think of someone who's frail, who you know isn't standing up straight, some, someone who's just not able to do what they used to be able to do. Uh, so we don't want to, we don't want to say that to anybody. We want to say person in their 80s or, or person in their 90s. Uh, and my mom felt particularly strongly about this as a person in her, her 70s. She hates being known as an elderly person. Uh, she even has problems with the term senior because it just makes her feel like she is uh, excluded from the main the, the majority of society, she's seen as someone who's who's beyond that, who's experienced that and no longer uh, is able uh, to give to give the same. And, and that's uh, that's why I really want to drive home the, this point that start with a person first and then add the description of their experience. Using the term minority, not OK. It means that someone isn't the per, isn't part of the majority. We leave people out when we determine their role in our world based on the color of their skin. So we've, we've seen this move to this term racialized. And what that means is that a person self-identifies that race has impacted their own experience. So you can't look at someone with a particular skin color and say they're racialized because maybe they don't see racism as having a major impact on their life. So it's important that we ask, we focus on the person first. We say, what is your experience? Do you identify as a racialized person? And we never consider uh, them as a minority because they have as much right to be here and, and to participate as anybody. Third tip, if you don't know if it's appropriate, Choose different words or just ask. Start a dialogue. Make sure you're using the right terms. Culturally sensitive language, it changes as movements happen. Uh, you know, terms that, that you know, just a, a great example again is that term minority. That, that was important when we wanted to, to give space for a group that we were first identifying um, was having... Uh, challenges because of, of the color of their skin uh, or their their experience. And now it's not okay. We've moved beyond that. The, pe the pendulum has swung. So ask uh, if, if terms are all right. Google uh, and check your sources just to make sure 
that they are, uh, they are from someone um, con concrete and credible. Don't use phrases if you don't know where they come from, even if they're common practice. If you want to Google these, do it, because it's quite shocking. Terms like hip hip hooray, eeny meeny miny mo, the peanut gallery. These are all phrases that are easily found to have very discriminatory roots, uh, just with that quick Google search. And I'll tell you a personal story. I have a really difficult time with the term rule of thumb. And we hear it all the time. People are constantly saying, you know, the rule of thumb, the rule of thumb. There is some evidence that shows that the rule of thumb is related to the size of stick that a man could beat their wife with um, back, uh, back in old England. And every time somebody says it, it gets my back up. Uh, and of course, they don't, they don't say it with anything related to domestic, uh, domestic abuse. Um, that's not on their mind at all, but it's triggering. It's triggering for me. So it's very important that if you're going to use these terms, know, know where they come from and know where you're using them, especially in your writing when you're talking to a, a mainstream audience. So I want to thank you for joining me today for these quick tips. I, you, you may or may not know, but uh, inclusivity and implementing inclusive and diverse practices is really uh, important to me for both staff and clients. If you ever want to reach out and, and learn more about it or talk more about it, please reach us at literacylinkniagara.ca and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening, listener, and we get, look forward to getting connected with you next time. Thank you.